Welcome to the prolific teaching ministry of Pastor Emmanuel Iren, lead pastor of Celebration Church International. It is his vision to partner with you for your progress and joy in the faith. Ready, set, grow. All right, turn your Bibles, Philippians 1.25. If you've been a member of Celebration Church for a while, this is not a strange text to you at all. But it's so powerful and so instructive. So we're going to look at it one more time. Philippians 1.25. Are you there? Come on, I said, are you there? Read as loud as you can. One, two, go. He says, and being confident of this, I know that I shall remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy of faith. One of the most popular quotes in the world today is by the late Mount Morrow of blessed memory. He says, where the purpose of a thing is not known, abuse then becomes inevitable. You see, you can get so accustomed to coming to church, you forget why you're here. And this is a reminder for you. He says, I will continue. The pastor is talking to his congregation. I will continue with you all for your furtherance and joy of faith. So you must remember that you are here just as a means to an end. It's good that you came, but you came for something. Not just to take the calendar and to appease the guilt you feel when you don't come. You came for something, for furtherance in the faith. So you should be able to have this self-assessment. In what way has my understanding advanced? My understanding of God's word, my understanding of God's expectations of me must advance. There is such a thing as furtherance in the faith. Just the same way um, every child in the educational system spends one year per class and is expected to go to the next class except something happened or he didn't really pass that class. There's supposed to be progress. If you've been in church one year, it should count. If you've been in church two years, it should count. Can you all just say furtherance in the faith? Some translations call it furtherance, some call it progress. Say progress in the faith. And it doesn't just say progress in the faith, it says joy in the faith. Can I tell you something? As you continue to grow in the things of the spirit, the duties of devotion become a delight. The duties of, it, of your devotion become a delight. So if you are not enjoying God, you are doing something wrong. He says, taste and see that the Lord is good. There must be a goodness to it. So furtherance must come with joy. Furtherance, yes, there is sacrifice in it, but it's delightful sacrifice. We will, we will willingly sell all we have to buy that one treasure that surpasses any other treasure in the world. So there must be a joy to it. And that's why we're here. And you must experience furtherance, not just in your faith, but in your joy. And so this month, the teaching series is Jesus' Joy. And it's such an important teaching series. Listen, the world is filled with all kinds of bad news and woes, especially in Nigeria. All right? And if you would be perpetually happy, the basis of your happiness must be on something immovable. That's the only way to be perpetually happy. No other way. Let me tell you something. Logically, you have no reason not to be anxious. 
You have no reason. It's scary just to be alive. I've told you times without number. You are in a planet that has no no foundation and that is rotating at 1,000 miles per hour. Did you hear what I said? Logically, you have no reason not to be anxious. And when you just look at the way the world is, it makes sense to be anxious. I mean, all all the movies on space that we saw, I mean, they're a gross underestimation of the reality of things. It's a scary place. In space, sound does not travel. And so if an object was moving at the speed of light to hit you, you won't hear it coming. And even if a star explodes, you won't hear it until the waves burn you. It's a scary place. And it's so dark, you can't see the front of your hand. You know, everything in space and here, you know, it's just scary. So for the natural man, it makes sense. But if you're a child of God, the stakes are different. And I don't mean that in a motivational sense. I mean that because of our understanding of who God is. That changes everything. Like the songwriter said, because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because I know he holds my future. Do you believe that? So to address and to tackle the elephants in the room for many of you, namely anxiety, I want to ask you, why are you so anxious? Anxious about tomorrow. How you're going to put food on the table. If you're going to get the job or not. If you're going to get that master's degree admission or not. And when you get it, how would you pay for the fees? You can be so anxious of tomorrow. And sometimes we feed off um, the bad news around us. In every aspect of our lives. You hear maybe your fave couple has an issue in their marriage. And you then become scared of marriage. Respectfully, a lot of ladies have this issue. You know, you can be having it smooth in the relationship. Then maybe her friend had a bad breakup. And then she starts looking at you funny. And she just says, do you really love me? (laughs) Eve asked Adam one day, do you really love me? Adam said, who else? (laughs) Who else? (laughs) Of course, you should know that's a joke. (laughs) That's not in the Bible. But I just said all of that to say this. You see, you need to tackle the elephant in the room. All right? And bask in the joy of the Lord. God is a rock. And so our joy is a rock. It does not move. Situations may change around us. But our joy is from the inside. Our joy is a fruit of the Spirit. Not fruit of the result of sports. It's a fruit of the Spirit. It's from inside. It's not from the TV. It's from inside. Glory to God. Say loud hallelujah if you believe that. So we want to investigate the concept of joy. And I see no other way to start this series. Or to teach on Jaira. That name of God that you, um, you, you've heard about since you were growing up. Jaira. What does it mean? Well, there is a simple meaning and a deeper meaning. The simple meaning is this. 
It simply means God. But that doesn't tell the full story. It actually means God is providential, and that's deeper. Because you see, the word provide in the Hebrew actually means to see to it, to see to something. And so it's similar to what Hagar called um, God, you know, when she was stranded with her baby and all of that. He says, God sees me. So have you ever found yourself in a precarious situation? You feel stranded. Maybe you were looking for money. You felt you didn't have money. Then you brought out one old cloth, put your hand inside, and there was money inside. See, that feeling is next to salvation. If you know, you know. Nothing happened. Ah! (laughs) Praise the Lord. And I need to be more careful. My dry cleaners must have enjoyed God. Because I always leave money, but I'm more cautious now. Anyways, have you ever been in a situation where you just felt stranded? And you found help where you least expected. So it's almost as if God was waiting in your future, having anticipated a need you didn't even know you would have, and was waiting with the provision. So Jaira, that's what Jaira means, the providential God. The providential God. Because you are in time, he's not. He lives in eternity. So he says, I am Alpha and Omega, beginning and end. So he's in your future. He knows all the needs that you would have. And he has catered for them. It's a mentality to have. Listen, if you learn what I'm teaching you, it will change your life forever. It will will give you hope and confidence in every circumstance. Jaira. Can you just call that name? Hallelujah. And so, just to give you the background of the story so that you know where the name came from. A man named Abraham, formerly called Abram, wanted a son. And God said, I'll give you a son. A son from your own loins and from the womb of your wife. All right. After this man had waited for a quarter of a century. If I say 25 years, it won't sink well. <laughs> he had waited a quarter of a century. Eventually had this child. He must have watched him sleep every night. Have you seen how parents act when they have one son? You know, they'll be quick to remind you, it's my only child. My only little thing. Bami you know. Especially the Yoruba ones, respectfully. You know, and all of that. Now imagine, after waiting a quarter of a century for this child, the child comes on the scene, and then one day God says, take your son. He didn't stop there, because if he stopped there, there would have been a problem. Abraham would have said, Ishmael, wear your clothes. (laughs) Every parent, Loki, has that child they are willing to sacrifice. They will never tell you. They say, we love you all equally. It's a lie. But I'm different. My wife and I are the first parents to love our two daughters. (laughs) Mostly Nadia, but you know what I mean. Anyway. (laughs) I'm joking. I'm just playing with you. I said that because you would have expected me to say Edima. Okay. But Nadia likes to pray. Edima, anyway. 
Are you with me now? He says, take your only son whom you love. Sacrifice him to me. And Abraham wakes up early the next morning. Takes Isaac on a three-day journey. And Isaac looks at him and says, Daddy, I see all the items needed for sacrifice. I see the firewood, I see everything, but I don't see ram. So I said, as you ask, you know, what is going on? This is Genesis 22, verse 8 now. And then the Bible says, Abraham said, my son, God will provide for himself the lamb for burnt offering. This is where that name came from. God will provide. Jaira. Hallelujah. And then he goes up the mountain. <laughs> That's why it's not enough to hear God yesterday. You need to hear God all the time. Because if you heard God say, take Isaac, and you didn't hear God say, stop. Anyway, just thinking out loud. <laughs> well, just as he was about to do it, God said, stop. And then he finds out of nowhere, a ram trapped in the thicket of the wood of, of the mountain. And then he takes that ram, slaughters that ram, and then they live happily ever after. But you see, there is something deeper you need to realize about the story. First and foremost, 2,000 years after, Jesus is slaughtered <laughs> or crucified on that same mountain. Did you know that? 2,000 years after, on that exact mountain, scholars would tell you, 2,000 years after. So the whole story of Abraham and Isaac was a parable of the true context of the provision of God in salvation. That's the true context of Jairah, salvation. That before you realize your need for salvation, you met the providential God with his provision. Are you getting what I'm saying? So right after the fall of man, God did not wait for man to call out to him for salvation. He said the seed of the woman will bruise the head of the serpent. That's Jairah at work. So the moment you realize your need for salvation, you also realized that salvation had already been provided for. That's Jairah. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That's, that's the proactiveness of God. That whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Because when you look at the immediate context of Abraham and Isaac, you're wondering, what is happening? Since when did God start collecting human sacrifices? Why would God ask Abraham to kill his son? Fact is, God did not expect him to do it. Clearly in the Old Testament, God abominated human sacrifices. In Deuteronomy chapter 12, verse 31, for instance, God is making a contradiction between his people and the heathen nations and all the things they did religiously. He said, you shall not worship the Lord your God in that way. He's saying, see the way they worship? Never worship me that way. I'll never require that from you. He says, for every abomination to the Lord which he hates have they done to their gods. They burn even their own sons 
and daughters in the fires to their God. So they sacrifice their children on altars. He says, you will never need to worship your God that way. So it seemed like a contradiction for God to ask Isaac to do it. But like I said, it was just a parable. They were acting out. Let me tell you why this is significant. All through the Old Testament, to typify the sacrifice of Christ, the Son of God, they use lambs. And without this example of Abraham and Isaac, it is hard to prove to the Jews that a human being, the Christ himself, was actually God's plan for sacrifice. Do you understand? God's plan for salvation is hard. Abraham and Isaac's example is the closest to the true story of the provision of salvation. Notice the similarities. First and foremost, Isaac and Christ have a lot in common. Both of them had a miraculous birth. Isaac was born from a 90-year-old woman. Jesus had a virgin birth. All right? Isaac was promised years before he was born. Jesus was promised years before he was born. Isaac was named before he was born. Jesus was named before he was born. And then that phrase that I just mentioned, you know, not too long ago, take now your only son whom you love. And so it's noteworthy that God will say of his son, this is my beloved son. And he was also called only begotten son. Interestingly, the journey was also a three-day journey. Are you getting this? So it was just typology. And so the true context of Jaira is salvation. Say loud, amen. amen. But are we wrong to associate Jaira to our immediate smaller needs? Not at all. Not at all. I want to show you a text. Turn your Bibles, Romans chapter 8, verse 32. Romans chapter 8, verse 32. Come on, are you learning anything? Yes. Romans chapter 8, verse 32. Can you read this as loud as you can? This is such a good text. One, two, go. I want you to read it with more confidence. One, two, go. He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not also with him freely give us all things? So listen, if in salvation you see the providence of God, how much more the smaller aspects of your life, your career, your marital future, you know, your health. If in salvation, if he didn't spare his son, but freely de delivered him for us all, is it now your career? So, it is inconsistent to believe in the providence of God in salvation and not believe that he will provide for you tomorrow to feed your kids. It makes no sense. It makes no sense. Come on, are you getting this? So, I want us to look again at the story from a practical standpoint and see what we can learn. The first thing you need to realize is Abraham did not know it was a parable. God didn't tell him, see, you know what? I want to show all nations what I'm going to do with Christ. God just told him, take your son. Your <laughs> you know, 
So Abraham was journeying there, not knowing what to expect. So he took faith. He took trust. And he had to battle the contradictions. I mean, God told him, in Isaac shall your seed be called, Genesis 21, 12. First and foremost, I was on my own. You called me out in the cool of the night. You said I should look at the stars. As many stars as I can count, that's the number of children you will give me. Well, first and foremost, you gave me only one. I didn't complain. Then many years after, you asked me to take that child again and give him to you. What is going on? And if it were to be many of us, we won't see you in church again. Like, God, you gave me a word. I believed it with all my heart, wrote it in my diary, took some steps of faith, gave glory, you know, told my friends about this vision I got from God and all of that. And then the circumstances become unfavorable. What is going on? How is it that Abraham was able to put his son on an altar, bind him by the hands and foot? How come the same person that believed that in Isaac his seed will be called was able to put Isaac on the altar? The Bible in the New Testament explains it to us. Look at Hebrews chapter 11. This is so powerful. Hi, if you learn this, it will change your life. This is one of the most powerful examples of faith in the entire Bible. Hebrews 11 from verse 17. We'll read 17 to 19 as fast as we can. It says, by faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had, he had received the promises offered up his only begotten son. Take note of that phraseology. He says, of whom it was said, in Isaac shall your seed be called. Verse 19, everybody as loud as you can. Verse 19, one, two, go. This is so powerful. This explains to you why Abraham was willing to do it. God did not tell him this. He came up with this conclusion on his own. Write this down. Your conviction will influence your conclusion. Your conviction will influence your conclusions. Listen, so from where Abraham stands, God said, in Isaac shall your seed be called. And then later God says, offer up Isaac. Because I know that the first promise I got cannot fail. If God said, in Isaac shall my seed be called, and God is asking me to offer up Isaac, it means God is planning to raise Isaac up. Ah, do you understand? God did not tell him this. He came up with this conclusion on his own. It is easier for me to believe that God will raise Isaac up than to believe that the first word God gave me will fail. His word will not fall to the ground. In Isaac shall my seed be called. And I still believe that on my way to that Mount Moriah, I believe it. In that three-day journey, that's my meditation. In Isaac shall my seed be called. Imagine you had that perspective. That for all those things you have been trusting, all the prophetic words, you know, concerning your business, concerning your health, you had that perspective when things were going south. So if God gave you a word concerning your business and the business died, it's because God wants to raise it up. 
If God gave you a word concerning your health and your health is suffering, it's because a creative miracle is about to happen in your life. What if you had the same mindset that Abraham had on his own? And you can encourage your son and say, God will provide himself a lamb. What kind of mindset is this? Nobody needed to cajole you on your own. You hold on to the faithfulness of God in his word so strong. If God gave the word, even if it dies, it will rise again. Even if that ministry dies, it will rise again. Even if that business dies, it will rise again. If God gave the word. If you sent word to Jesus that Lazarus is sick and he sent word back that that sickness is not unto death. Even if Lazarus eventually died, four days after he will rise again. It's a mentality to have. So you see, Jaira, even in unfavorable circumstances, that's what I'm teaching you. Not just, I mean, some people, you say, Jaira, ah, I just finished from school, I applied and I got a job instantly. That's convenience. But the revelation of Jaira is proven in unfavorable circumstances. When it's tough, when it's rough, when it doesn't look like it. And you stay with the word, knowing that God is faithful to his word. This is the growth that you must experience. This is the mentality that you must have. Hallelujah. Come on, I said hallelujah. So much to learn from Abraham. I mean, look at that text, Genesis twenty-two fourteen. I want you to notice something. All right, Genesis chapter 22, verse 14. He says, and Abraham called the name of God. Is that what he said? Everybody read Genesis 22, 14 together. One, two, go. Now listen, in context, was God called Jehovah Jireh? Listen, is God Jehovah Jireh? Yes, but he didn't call God Jehovah Jireh. He called the place. I know you know the name, but have you come to the place? Listen, it's a mentality. So unlike any other revelation of God in the Old Testament, this one came from Abraham. God did not say, God told, God told Moses, I am that I am. But God did not tell Abraham this. When he saw that revelation of God, he named the experience as an eternal ordinance. Are you getting what I'm saying? So that, so that because of that experience, you will never doubt the faithfulness of God in that area again. Some of us need to learn this. Even in the areas where we've seen the strength of God in the past, in the future, we still ask questions. The Bible tells us, for instance, in Mark chapter 8 from verse 15, the disciples of Jesus were going with Jesus and they were worried about bread. He said, what? Why are you so slow to believe? Why are you so hard? Why is your heart so hard? Haven't you forgotten I've multiplied bread on two occasions? First five loaves and two fish. Second five is seven loaves and two fish. Why would you think that it's a problem that you didn't carry bread? God expects that his faithfulness in the past will boost your confidence in the future. Are you getting what I'm saying? 
So that when you stand before Goliath as David, my hands will deliver this, this uncircumcised Philistine to my hands as well. The testimonies of the past are meant to be weapons against anxiety in the future. So Abraham saw the providential God. He named that place. And I like the fact that the text says that was the name of that place forever. Think about that. That you come to a point of conviction about some things in your life. You never doubt it. You don't need anybody to cajole you anymore. That when you see any unfavorable circumstance, you know. Hallelujah. That God works in every situation for the good of them that love him. You know. Think about that. He says, and we know that all things. It's, it's, it's a conviction. <laughs> and we know. Like I told you, have you come to that place yet? Can you trust God for your future? Can you settle this in your spirit once and for all? That God can be trusted. Can you learn a thing or two from Abraham? If you do, it will change your life. You see, at least a thousand years before Jesus came to the earth, in Psalm chapter 2, there's a powerful prophecy about Christ and all the challenges he would face, all the persecution he would face. The prophet David prophesied it thousands of years ahead of time. He said, why do the hidden rage? Psalm chapter 2 from verse 1. Why do the nations rage and the people plot a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed. Saying, Let them, let their, let's break their bones in pieces and cast away their, their cords from us. Verse 4 says, he that sits in the heavens shall laugh. Now, think about this. Just imagine you were in the throne room that day. And you saw God on his throne. And all of a sudden, God just laughed. Ha, 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 And he says, sir, why did you laugh? He says, oh, I'm laughing about something that will happen 2,000 years time. I, I'm trying to paint a picture in your mind. So, two. Thousands of years after, must have been about a thousand years, Jesus comes on the scene, they plot against him, they arrest him, they kill him. Guess what? God had laughed about it. Centuries before, he had laughed about it. I would have you understand that God is still laughing today. There are many things that you're experiencing now that he has laughed about already. And so you laugh too. It's a mentality to have. A trust to have. He laughs about future challenges. So when you want to walk with such a God, it's a mindset to have. And when you understand that kind of God, you will handle challenges with a grace that natural people can't understand. No wonder Jesus was so comported, even on his way to the cross. That you're on the way to the cross. They just finished beating you. you the, the beating was so devastating that women saw him and started crying. And he looked at the woman. Can you imagine? He's consoling them. 
don't cry for me. How can you in that state? I've explained how excruciating the beating and the scourging of Jesus was. How can you in that state still think of others? Have you seen some people, you know, just a small thing that happens to them, the world must stop revolving. You know, and all of that. Have you seen people, a small challenge happens, they are not in church one week, and they are angry nobody called them. I know we should have, but you too. Do you understand? Anyway, I'll come to that later. <laughs> you know, but Jesus, even in that state, don't cry. Don't cry for me. On the cross, with seven-inch nails in his wrist, he says, Father, forgive them. Listen, it takes an understanding of Jaira to pray for your enemies. Listen, when you have an understanding of Jaira, you will not be unforgiving. Because you will know that in their ignorance, they've made them, themselves part of God's plan. And that you cannot be disadvantaged. And the execution of their wickedness will still serve for the fulfillment of God's divine purpose. It's a mindset to have. That one of the most wicked things men have ever done in the killing of the Messiah became the best thing that ever happened to mankind. That's the revelation of Jaira. Because he is providential, something that was meant to be a bad situation can turn out for your good. It's a mindset. Just think about Joseph. The best example of this. If someone else were to be Joseph, when you get to Egypt, you will have just one assignment, to plan to escape. Now, just imagine that Joseph actually escaped and was successful. And you get back home and you're like, ah, thank God, oh. you know, these wicked brothers. Not knowing that you have jeopardized. Are you getting what I'm saying? See, how many of you can look back at the circumstances you had in the past and they made you tougher and better and better suited for some of the opportunities you have now? It's a mindset to have all things work together for good to them that love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. And so you come to a point of conviction where like Paul you say, what can separate me from the love of God? Tribulation, distress, nakedness, peril, sword. He says, I'm persuaded. That neither life nor death, nor angels or demons or any such thing shall be able. He's not saying the circumstances will be favorable all the time. But even the worst circumstances will find the tougher me. They shall not be able to separate me from the love of God in Christ. He says, yea. In all these things. We are more than conquerors through him that loves us. Just stand up and give him the praise right now. Listen, this is a time of consecration. God wants to imbibe in you with trust. Just worship him right now. Thank you for listening. We are sure that you have been blessed. For inquiries, reach us on our helpline 0809-996-7000. Blessings.